0: Well, 30 years ago today, I knew how James, or excuse me, how Ernest Harmon feels today. Um, This is, uh, today is the birthday of our girls. Uh, 30 years ago, uh, I guess, was it after midnight or on this day, on like before midnight? It was after midnight. It was very late right that's what i thought there you go so i i i was there i was there it was a terrible painful experience yeah i had to be up past my bedtime turn me down just a little Um, well today is the girl's golden birthday 30 they're 30 on the 30th now i don't know what this whole golden thing is except that i have to buy dinner uh I think that's why it was thought up. I'm not sure. (laughs) 30 years ago, St. Joseph Hospital was about that big. (laughs) That's where they were born. Time flies, Uh, and it seems to speed up as you get older. At this uh, New Year time of year, this is our annual opportunity to feel guilty about what we haven't accomplished and to look ahead and to make some resolutions or some goals and we think oh well this year I'm gonna really accomplish some things I'd like to encourage you this year to take a different approach um, I would even go so far as to say I want to encourage you not to make any of, any goals but to make some objectives you know goals is when you say this is where we're going to where I'm going to get to objectives is when you say how am I going to get there I learned a little uh, I, I read a little phrase probably 40 years ago in a little booklet and the little phrase was this a large part of righteousness consists in good habits and I want to encourage you today to improve your habits because if you improve your habits you're gonna have a productive year. I, as I was channel surfing at a different time this morning than I normally do, I caught a little piece uh, where Andy Stanley, who is the son of Charles Stanley, uh, they're, they're both on the television uh, preaching the gospel now, but Andy was interviewing his son and, or his dad. His dad is 80 years old. I don't know if any of you catch him on the TV once in a while, but he's 80 years old And I thought, I I figured he's about 65 pushing 70. And I thought, my goodness. But you know what he said about his life? He he said this, obey God and leave the consequences to him. And then just do the next things God wants you to do. He said, I don't make great sweeping plans. I want to encourage you today in your habits. And uh, I want to look, uh, I I guess if I wanted to be trendy, I could have called this four habits of highly spiritual people. But, uh, I, I, you know, there's probably more than four that you ought to have, but I just want to share four of them with you, and the first one is this. The first habit we ought to have is look in the mirror diligently. Look in the mirror diligently. Look at James chapter 1. Verse 22. Be, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself you know we could stop and just preach about that if we come to church or read the bible or listen to the christian radio station and say my that's really good stuff and maybe we even go to work and talk about what great things we heard but if we don't go out and do it We're kidding ourselves about the quality of our spiritual life. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. I guess I could have made it five habits of highly spiritual people. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he observes himself and he goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. God uses a lot of metaphors in the scripture to communicate things with us, and and he uses a number of them about the Bible itself. And here the metaphor is that of a mirror. I would venture a guess that most of you looked in the mirror at least briefly. Some of you appear to have looked more diligently than others this morning. But you looked in the mirror and you made some adjustment to what you saw. Maybe a comb, maybe a washcloth, maybe you know some paint for the barn, whatever it is. But you looked in the mirror, and you made some adjustment. And God is saying that the Bible is a mirror. And when I look into it, it tells me what needs to be adjusted. The mirror shows unknown flaws. Now, if you haven't figured this out, mirrors are primarily about your face and the back of your head. Because if you didn't know it, you can bend over and see your hands and your legs. But you can't see your face no matter how hard you look. <laughs> there are unknown areas. And so we look in the mirror, to see a little check, everything okay? One of the great things about having your hair really short, you know, I, I still go in there to comb my hair in the morning, and then I go, oh, nope, it's perfect, I'm ready to go. <laughs> well, it's present anyway. <laughs> the mirror shows unknown flaws. When the grandkids were at the house this week, we went out to the shop to make a present for their parents, and in one of the stages of doing that, we're we're going out to to work on this project a little bit, and one of them went by the car and and put his hand on the car, which I don't care, I'm not that fussy about my car, but when he took his hand off, there was a complete handprint. (laughs) I mean, if I'd have been a police officer and he had done a crime, I'd have had him dead to rights. And I took and then he touched his project and there was stuff on the project and I thought, "Lord, what is on your hands? Go wash your hands." <laughs> oh. I think children have dirt vision blindness. It's like night blindness only it's for dirt, you know. When you say you need to wash your hands, they're shocked what and when you talk about washing the face what if you don't look in the mirror diligently you will not see the dirt If you live your life and think, well, you know, I heard Pastor Dave preach on Sunday, that's good, I'm I'm good to go. And about four days into the week, there's dirt on your hands, there's dirt in your ears, there's dirt in your eyes, there's dirt on your face. We've got to be in the Word every day. We need to be in the Word to learn what we don't know. See there's things that you know that you should be doing and the Holy Spirit prompts you, hey, you're guilty, do this, yeah, I gotta work on that. But if you're in the word every day, God is showing you something every day and I would venture a guess that there are gonna be things on many days that you've either forgotten or don't know. And I would guess that that'll be true for you because it's true for this guy. I've got to be in the word every day What we don't know about ourselves is what needs to be found out Sometimes we read the word to feel good But if you really would read it to be good you would result in the result would be that you would feel good But you've got to have the habit of looking into the mirror every day otherwise you might be walking around with a dirty face Have you ever thought about that possibility, that what you think is normal and good and right is actually wrong, but the reason you don't know is because you haven't been in the Word. I'm going to run the risk of oversimplifying to say this. You don't need to make a list of needed improvements for your life for 2013 if you will be in the Word every day, looking for a needed improvement every day. Because if you do that, God is so good that he will point them out and he will help you. And at the end of 2013, you'll look back and say, man, I made some progress this year. How did that happen? Because you didn't have a big goal and a big plan, but you had a habit of looking in the mirror. The other thing that the mirror does for us is this. The mirror brings unknown blessings. Look at verse 25. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty, that's that's what God calls the word here in this context. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, he's a doer of the word, and he's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. This one, this one will be blessed. That's that word happy we've been looking at in Matthew chapter 5. Do you want to have a year of blessing? Uh, that's kind of a stupid question, isn't it? As you look ahead to 2013, are you thinking, boy, I hope I have difficulty. I hope I have problems. Looking forward to some really big trials. Okay. No, we're looking forward saying, I want to be happy in 2013. God claims that this word and your obedience to it is the key to your happiness in this new year. And it is an unknown blessing because you don't know what lies ahead. But if you would read God's word, listen to God's word, obey God's word, walk in God's word, what's going to happen is a blessing. It's going to be good. Our society is consumed with the pursuit of happiness, yet they consistently fall short why is that it's because you can't pursue happiness in and of itself and then achieve it god gives us the path to happiness but that path to happiness is soundly rejected by most of our society god's path is his word salvation in christ and then obedience to his word and he says that will bring blessing in your life god promises happiness to the believer who will look into his word with a view to obedience and and if for what it's worth from the perspective of my 56 years i'll go out on a limb and say that the path to happiness that god gives is the only genuine guaranteed path i've talked to a lot of people pursuing a lot of other paths and i have never seen it work never seen it work again at the risk of oversimplification if you want to be happy in 2013 get in the word every day And let God change you into a a Christ one, a Christian. Be a disciple through every day, looking in the mirror of God's word. Well, the second thing we need to do, second habit we need to have is to wash our hands regularly. Turn over a couple pages to James chapter 4. Starting in verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? After having six grandkids in the house last week, I know. I know exactly where they come from. (laughs) Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? (laughs) That's exactly where they come from. You lust or you desire and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity or or to be an enemy with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us, he yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of God, and he will lift you up. Wash your hands regularly. In the the, the greater passage, as we've obviously seen, James is addressing the issue of, of ungodly interpersonal relationships. And so as we focus in on verses 8 and 9, we need to understand that he's saying, listen, if you want to have good interpersonal relationships, here's part of the solution. I want to apply that even more broadly to our lives and, and say that it's one thing to know that our hands are dirty because we've read the word of God and we know what needs to change. But it's another thing to actually wash our hands spiritually spiritually. As you look into the word, as you come and hear the word, you find sin and sin needs to be confessed in thought and behavior and repentance or change needs to occur in thought and behavior. The word confession means to admit wrong by agreeing with God in what he says about thoughts and actions. When 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, That word confess means to agree with God. As you're reading the word day by day this year and and you read a scripture as simple as as don't lie but tell the truth, and as you meditate on your life you're gonna think, oh yeah, I remember that thing yesterday at work. The boss came and asked my opinion about his new plan and I thought, ooh, what do I say? I know what he wants me to say but I know what I should say, but I know what I'm gonna say. And now here I am today with the Holy Spirit of God going, you see that? And we're looking at our hands going, they're dirty. Are you gonna confess? Or are you gonna try to cover it up and carry on with the sin? Without doubt, the absolute path to difficulty in the Christian life is to cover up sin in some effort to, to not, not admit it, not realize it, not face it. And, and we hang on to that sin. And what happens is every step after that is a step on the path of unrighteousness. Even though we, we don't plan to live wickedly, we're not walking in the Spirit. When God points out a sin, if he does it through the word, or maybe the Holy Spirit just comes along while we're living our life, and the Holy Spirit goes, that was wrong. And we go, oh, I know that's wrong. We've got to confess right then and there. We've got to admit that what we did was wrong, no matter how many times we've done it. And we all have sins that we repeat over and over. We're saying, oh God, I I hate to come and talk to you again, but I know that was wrong. And then there needs to follow right after that a prayer of repentance. Repentance means changing your thoughts and behaviors to bring them into line with God's desired thoughts and behaviors, to repent, to change. You're going this way, now you're going that way. And there needs to be a prayer of repentance, but there needs to be behavior of a repentance. To say, God, I've got to stop that. I've got to come up with a different plan. I've got to tell the truth no matter how hard it is. As Charles Stanley said today, I've got to obey and leave the consequences to God. Now, if you've been in Christ for any length of time, you already know these two principles that I've just been sharing with you. But here's the question I want to ask you today. How often do you wash your hands how often do you confess your sin? How often do you express repentance to God and then do repentance? Uh, I was in a seminar years ago with, with a, a group of, of medical professionals and we listen, we're listening to an epidemiologist. That's a person who's an expert in diseases. And this was a team that would potentially travel around the world and so he was showing us maps of the world and where there are uh, infectious diseases. And the short report is it's everywhere except the United States. You know, there are terrible diseases and you have to have all kinds of vaccinations and so on and almost anywhere you go with just a few exceptions. But he said something about disease that just got through to me like my mom or anybody else uh, never got through to me. And he talked very specifically about a certain kind of transmission of disease. And he said, the solution to this is to wash your hands regularly. And I went out of that meeting saying, I am going to wash my hands regularly. And I have been (laughs) way more than I used to. Because I do not want disease. I don't want to take disease on my hand and put it in my mouth with my own hand. Now, I'm pretty sure that most of you think that way today as well. You know, even the emergency services have changed dramatically. When I was first a firefighter, the whole idea of doing mouth-to-mouth resuscitation was still pretty common. And we were just bridging into using a, a device that kept the separation between your mouth and their mouth. And rubber gloves were non-existent. And now, the whole risk of infection is, I don't know if the risk is worse, but the, the fear is worse. And if I were to say to you today, how many germs are you willing to carry around on yourself that you don't need to carry? You say, well, I don't want to carry any that I don't, you know, I mean, I know there's some bacteria on us as human beings, but... Well, then Why? Why? Would we look up to heaven and say, I know I've got a sin here, God, but I'm going to hang on to it. I know my hands are dirty before you, but I just think it'll be better if I just keep it. (laughs) This week I got a sliver right there. I got two little slivers right there. And when they happened, I thought, is there a sliver in there? My eyesight is bad enough that I used to be able to take my glasses off and really see things close, and I can't even do that anymore. And I kind of poked around, and I thought, well, it's there. Well, several days later, I knew for a fact there was a sliver there because they were, it, it was kind of itchy and hurty, and, and they were raising up you know, with the infection on there. And then, then I got the needle and dug them out. Why would you let sin stay All it's going to do is infect and swell up and cause pain. It's what David said. Blessed is he whose transgression or his sin is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's a reference to the Old Testament sacrifice. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. That's how David felt when he hung on to his sin. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Unconfessed sin hurts you most of all, without doubt. And sometimes it hurts us when we don't even know it. What I mean by that is, if we choose to live in sin, we're not even aware that the next decisions that we make, the next actions that we take, are not guided by the Holy Spirit. Unconfessed sin hurts your relationships. That's what James chapter 4 is about. First uh, John chapter 1 makes that clear. If we have fellowship with God, that's when we really have fellowship with one another. And unconfessed, unconfessed sin hurts the work of God. If you are walking in sin, are you likely to want to extend yourself, to put yourself out to do the work of God? When somebody comes and says, can you help us with this? Would you do that? You're thinking, no, I don't want to do that. Because you're focused inwardly and you're not not walking in the Spirit and the Spirit can't say, yeah, do that. It'll be great. You want to You wanna go forward in 2013? Wash your hands. And I would encourage you to do it two ways. Number one, when you get the word open first thing in the morning, or when you have that time at night, whenever is your daily time in the word, before you even read, just stop and go, God, have I left something undone with you? Is there a sin that I have forgotten? Do I need to hear something from you right now? And just wait. And I know it sounds a little mystical or a little whatever, but I'm telling you the Holy Spirit of God will bring something to your mind right in that moment. Say, hey, right there, did you see that? And there will be days when you do that and God... God leaves you with a clear conscience, and there's nothing to confess at that moment. And that's a wonderful thing. That doesn't mean you sinned all day yesterday, or you didn't sin all day. What it means is that every time you did sin during the day, you stopped right then and confessed that sin. And so I would encourage you to do both. You do the the one on the daily basis just to make sure you didn't forget do you remember job when he was offering sacrifices for his family he had a whole pattern of offering sacrifices and he said just in case one of my family members missed something he was offering worship to god for them we need to be that careful about keeping our spiritual hands clean number three <clears throat> the third habit that i'd encourage you to get into this year Or to increase this year, and that's send out the mail constantly. Turn over to James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, uh, And then confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I know there's a lot that we could say to fully expound this passage. I understand that God doesn't always heal, and he doesn't always send rain when we pray for it. And I understand that God's Word answers the questions of why those things don't happen. It's not my intent to to fully expound the topic of, of prayer today, but here's the thing we need to grasp easily from this passage. What are you supposed to do when you're suffering? What are you supposed to do when you're enjoying life? What are you supposed to do when you're sick? What are you supposed to do when you've sinned? What do you do when you have a need? There you go. That was really weak and pathetic. (laughs) And I suspect that maybe that's a habit we need to work on. But do you get the idea? When you're suffering, pray. When you're having a great time, Jerry, when you're watching that 60 inch TV that God gave you last week, say, Thank you, Jesus, for my new TV and for my good wife who let me buy it. (laughs) You know, we we tend to think about prayer more when we're suffering, and there's nothing wrong with that. Don't ever let anybody tell you, oh, we shouldn't just be asking God for stuff all the time. That's wrong. When you look up to heaven and say, God, I have no one else on earth but you, as the psalmist said, that's a wonderful, worshipful prayer. But... I think most of us have as much good stuff or even more good stuff than we have bad stuff most of the time. And you want to get in a good habit this year? Get in the habit of praising God. Now, I, I don't know how all well you can do it, but, but I know if you've got a smartphone, you could set an alarm. The other night, my wife's phone went off i said what is that go that's my alarm for a certain time in awana that i know i have to move from a certain place to another or whatever it is you know great idea set an alarm for prayer make a special ringtone you know uh praise god from whom all blessings flow whatever it is set that ringtone and every time that goes off go yeah i got to remember to pray if you're old school tie a string on your finger or If you're really old school, you know, write it on your hand, you know, whatever you have to do. But get in that habit. Here's the short form um, on this stuff about praying. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks. If that's all you can remember, remember that and say, pray without ceasing. God wants to have an ongoing conversation with you. We used to have to send out a paper letter in the mail you know, I, I can remember when I was first in the ministry sending letters to missionaries, we got this little blue thing from the post office. Where are you at, Chet? Do you remember those aerograms? Have you delivered mail that long? Oh my goodness, you're such a young man. We have these aerograms. It costs like 50 cents, let's say, to, ma- to mail a letter anywhere in the world on this piece, but it was only that blue piece of paper, and you'd write all on it and then fold it over Do you guys get aerograms over there? Yeah, yeah, there's some folks of the golden generation, all right. Now, you can send out the mail, you can tweet, you can do whatever, do that with God, send out that mail all the time, skip the goal setting, and just start praying more. Walk past the self-help books at the grocery store and just talk to God more. Turn off the TV gurus and cry out to God for help. Find some way to increase your prayer time. And when you pray, don't stop praying until you've unloaded every burden and lifted up every family member and spoken every word of praise you can think of. Make a list and check it twice. I suspect this last week there were people on your gift list and they all got a gift, right? You made a list and you checked it twice. Do you have a list for prayer? You make a list for Christmas presents but not for praying to the Almighty God? We need to be diligent about our prayer life. Well, the fourth habit that I wanna encourage you to is this. Do your work consistently. Do your work consistently. Turn uh, just maybe a page over in my Bible uh, to, or a couple of pages to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Verse 1, Simon Peter, a bond servant, and apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained like precious faith. It's clearly he's talking to Christians here with us by the righteousness of God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. How do we get all the things that pertain to life and godliness? Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, through the knowledge of God, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. That's the word of God. That through the word of God you may partake of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The work that we have to do has to do with building Christ-likeness in us. And so what I want you to see in this first four verses is the gift of Christ-like character. It clearly says... I can be like Christ. I don't know what limitations you see on yourself, but when it comes to the area of character, of everything God talks about, of patience, of love, of goodness, of of giving, of sacrifice, all of those things, there is no limitation on you. There is no limit imposed by my lack of education, by my status in society, by the weakness of my family, financial poverty or personality, there is no limit because Christ-like character comes through God's word. I can become like Christ and I can become like Christ because God has given me everything I need. But that brings us to the responsibility of character. Look at verse 5. For this very reason... For what reason? For the reason that God has given us the potential of Christ-like character. For this reason, giving all diligence add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. All of these things that God wants to add to us, and he does it through diligent effort. Now, I want to review to make sure I don't, I'm not misunderstood today. Can you do anything on your own to earn salvation? What? That's right. Salvation was paid for by Christ's suffering on the cross. How do we receive salvation? What do we have to do? Accept, believe, receive, whatever word you want to use there from the scripture. When I believe that Jesus was the son of God, that he died for me, and that God put my sins on him, when I believe that with all my heart, I am born again. I'm a Christian. But God has so designed the Christian life that it does not happen in the same fashion as as salvation. God says, I've put within you the potential of Christ-like character, now you have to learn about it and act on it. It is our responsibility. Listening to sermons will not make you grow. Doing God's truth that you learn in a sermon will make you grow. The people around you are not going to make you godly, neither are they going to keep you from being godly. You alone are responsible for the condition of your spiritual maturity. And so as you look forward to 2013, you you need to be saying, okay, God, I've got to give more effort to this. We are all diligent about some things in our life. Some people are diligent about watching football. I uh, have an acquaintance where I work out that I've talked to a number of times. I'm, I'm just very slowly trying to build relationship, and I hope to be able to witness to him and so on. But I've never even invited him to church. Say what you want about that. That's my, that's my approach. And he said to me last week, yeah, my wife and my daughter came to your, uh, came to your choir program, said it was really good. I'm thinking, where were you, bud? <laughs> he said... The Seahawks were playing. Sorry, man, I just couldn't be there. Okay, I expect that from him. Because he's diligent about watching the Seahawks. See, we're all diligent about some things. The question we need to ask going forward is, am I diligent about growing in Christ? because that is my responsibility. God has given me what I need, he's given me the Holy Spirit, he's given me the body of Christ to encourage me everything I need, but I have to give effort. I have to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. But there's a, there's a promise that goes with this, the result of godly character in verse eight. For if these things are yours, if these character qualities are growing in you, verse 8, and if they are abounding or growing or increasing, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful. That's a redundancy. Those two words mean the same thing, only the flip side. To be barren, of course, primarily refers to not being able to have children. But in the context, he's talking about anything that, that gives birth you, if you will, and he says, you won't be barren, nor will you be unfruitful, He's, what's the opposite of that? That means you're gonna produce fruit for the Lord. That's honoring to the Lord. What did Jesus pray for? Pray for us in John 15, he said, I want you to bear fruit. You wanna honor the Lord? Build character and you will honor the Lord. Verse nine, for the one who lacks these character qualities that he's talked about in verse five through seven is short-sighted, literally nearsighted like me. He's so nearsighted, he's blind. And I'm telling you, when I take my glasses off, I'm pretty close to being blind. And he said, if you are a Christian who's not taking advantage of the character God wants to build in you, you're like a blind man. Now, no no offense to people that have vision problems, God is not trying to insult you, but what he's trying to say is, you're handicapped. You have voluntarily handicapped yourself in the spiritual life so that you can't do anything. Now, who does that? Who would blind themselves for any reason that's avoidable? Nobody would. He says, so don't blind yourself. Don't make yourself unfruitful. Live up to your salvation. He said, you have forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sins. Therefore, be even more diligent. And and look at this, verse 10. If you do these things, you will never stumble. You know what that's talking about? That's talking about walking confidently. Not arrogantly or proudly, but it's the idea... You know that you know as people, uh, if people have a a physical ailment, or maybe as they get older and a little bit frail, they're they're kind of like this, and and that's good. I'm not insulting, but if a young person with no problems has to walk like this, you're thinking, what's wrong with you? And as a Christian, you're either, you're either kind of going, Oh, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm going to fall. Or you're walking along knowing confidently, I need to do this. I need to do that. I need to follow the Lord here. I need to follow the Lord there. How do you want to be? Do you want to be the person who doesn't stumble or the person who's constantly feeling like a blind man trying to figure out how to live life? It's our potential. It's our potential. And then, of course, even in verse 11, he talks about entering heaven joyfully, abundantly. What's that about? It's the idea that when you show up in heaven, you're going, man, I am excited to be here. I'm going to see Jesus, and he's going to look at my life, and it's going to be great, my report card's going to be good. Is that arrogant? No. No, not if it's done in in faith and in obedience to God's word. Many years ago, we knew a family that did not start out in Christ. And so they had many challenges, including a daughter from the husband's first family who was a drug addict. And in time, she was married and had a child, had a couple of children. And that that child, she, she did a terrible job of raising that child because she was in and out of prison and in and out of drug. Uh, addiction and so on and so finally the grandparents got custody of the of the girl when she was in about second grade and because the mom's life condition and because of her inattention for the girl the girl hadn't hardly been to school in what would be her kindergarten year first grade year and half of the second grade year hadn't hardly even been there she couldn't read she she just was lost in school and and she really presented uh forgive me, she presented as a stupid little girl, okay? And just, like, incapable. And her grandparents got her and started taking her to school every day. And what do you know? She wasn't stupid after all. She just needed to be in school every day. And I remember one day sitting in the front row, when that girl came home from junior high camp and recited 1 Corinthians 13. And I thought, wow. And that girl went on to go to Bible college and get married and I think she's living for the Lord today. And what was it? It was just everyday good living. Nobody looked at her in second grade and said, here's where she'll be in 10 years. They just said, she needs to be there every day, every day, every day. Friends, we are capable of Christ-like character, and the chief means of developing it is growing in the Lord every day, every day. That means we don't take vacations from being a Christian. I'm going to be off work this week, but today, as I was having my devotions, I thought, what am I going to spend time in next week? I just finished uh, First Thessalonians, and I thought, what am I going to do while I'm on vacation? I thought, I'm going to work on Second Peter. I've been trying to memorize that first chapter, that passage, verses 1 through 11. I I've pretty much got that memorized, and I'm just going to spend time, because I'm not going to be on vacation from being a Christian. And I'm going to be going to work out, Lord willing, at least four times, and I'm going to be looking for that fella. And when the opportunity comes, I'm going to be talking to him. Because I'm not on vacation for being a Christian. I'm just not going to be working in my normal responsibilities. We might take a Sunday off from teaching Sunday school like we did today, and that's wonderful, but we don't take a Sunday off from godliness. We might rotate from one ministry to another to serve here, serve there, sit out for a while, but we don't sit on our hands spiritually ever. We might come to the end of a career of working at a paying job, but we don't retire from walking with Christ. And I just want to challenge you this year to say, it's going to be an everyday thing with me. The result of Christ-like character is to grow a little bit every day. Uh, That's the behemoth that was sitting next to me this morning. Yeah. There was a time when he was small, although he's pretty big there too. <laughs> uh, and there's him a little bigger, and there's him a little bigger, and there's him this week. Um, this, this one is a year older than him, or two-thirds of a year older. If we were able to get out our spiritual camera and snap pictures of your spiritual life. How would this year's photo look different from last year's photo? How, will, how would you like next year's photo to look? You know, as you, as you think about this Sunday next year, and you know I'm gonna preach on something the same next year, it's gonna be very similar. Without a doubt, the way to be more mature, to have a better picture next year, is to do what God has called you to do every day. You know, in reality, even if you make a big plan, you can't take a huge step. There's no such thing as a huge step, it's one step in front of the other in the same direction for a long time. Heavenly Father, help us. Help us. We know many of these things. We just need to practice more. We need to work harder at it. Help us to be people of good habits who move forward for you because you are moving in us, not because we have set some grand direction for our life, but because we have attached ourselves to you and you are going to move us as you see fit. Thank you for giving us the potential of living in Christ. I pray that you will... Uh, bring your word home to each of us today as you see fit. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.